today I'm going to read some information about growing and developing in psychology. It's about the repository of germinal choice. During the 1970s, American millionaire Robert Clark Graham began one of the most controversial and unique sperm banks in the world. He called it the repository of the germinal choice. The sperm bank was part of a project that attempted to combat the genetic decay Graham saw all around him. He believed human reproduction was experiencing a genetic decline, making for a population of retrograde humans, and he was convinced that the way to save the human race was to breed the bad genes of his generations. Graham began his project by collecting sperm samples from the most intelligent and highly achieving people he could find, including scientists, entrepreneurs, athletes, and even Nobel Prize winners. Then, he advertised for potential mothers who were required to be married to the infertilement, educated, and financially well-off. Graham mailed out catalogs to the potential mothers, describing the donors using code names such as Mr. Gray White, who was hugely handsome, outgoing, and positive, a university professor, expert marksman who enjoyed the classics, and Mr. Fitcher, who was an Olympic gold medalist, tall, dark, handsome, bright, a successful businessman and author. When the mother had made her choice, the sperm sample was delivered by courier and insemination was carried out at home. Before it closed following Graham's date in 1999, the repository claimed responsibility for the birth of 228 children. But did Graham's project actually create superintelligent babies? Although it is difficult to be sure, because very few interviews with the offspring has been permitted, at least some of the repository policy are indeed smart. Reporter for the Slate magazine David Plot spoke to nine families who benefited from the repository, and they proudly touted their children's achievements. He found that most of the offspring in the families interviewed seemed to be resembled their genetic fathers. Three from donor Mr. Fuchsia, the Olympic gold medalist, are reportedly gifted to athletes. Several who excel in math and science were fathered by professors of math and science. And the offspring, by and large, seem to be doing well, often attending excellent schools and maintaining very high grade point averages. One of the offspring, now 26 years old, is particularly intelligent. In infancy, he could mark the beat of classical music with his hands. In kindergarten, he could read Hamlet and was learning algebra. And at age 6, his IQ was already to 180. But he refused to apply to prestigious universities such as Harvard or Yale opting instead to study at a smaller progressive college and to mayor in a comparative region, 
religion with the aim of becoming an elementary school teacher. He is now an author of children's book. Although it is difficult to know for sure, it appears that at least some of the children of the repository are indeed outstanding. But can the talents, characteristics, and skills of this small repository sample be attributed to genetics alone? After all, consider the parents of these children. Blatt reported that the parents, particularly the mothers, were highly involved in the children's development and took their parental roles very seriously. Most of the parents studied childcare manuals, coached their children's sports teams, practiced reading with their kids, and either homeschooled them or sent them to the best schools in their areas. And the families were financially well off. Furthermore, the mothers approached the repository at a relatively older child-bearing age, when all other options were exhausted. These children were, were desperately wanted and very well loved. It is undeniable that, in addition to their genetic backgrounds, all this excellent nurturing played a significant role in the development of the repository children. Although the existence of the repository provides interesting insights into the potential importance of genetics on child development, the results of Graham's experience are inconclusive. The offspring interviewed are definitely smart and talented, but only one of them was considered a true genius and child prodigy, and nurture may have played as much role as nature in the outcomes. Today, we'll talk about how the neuron is the building block of the nervous system. In this section, our learning objectives will be First, describe the structure and functions of the neuron. Second, draw a diagram of the pathways of communication within and between neurons. And third, list three of the major neurotransmitters and describe their functions. So, the nervous system is composed of more than 1 billion cells known as neurons. A neuron is a cell in the nervous system whose function it is to receive and transmit information. So, neurons are made of three major parts. A cell body, or soma, which contains the nucleus of the cell and keeps the cell alive. A branching tree-like fiber known as the dendrite which collects information from other cells and sends the information to the soma, and a long segmented fiber known as the axon, which transmits the information away from the cell body towards other neurons or to the muscle and glands. The nervous system, including the brain, is made up of billions of interlinked neurons. This vast interconnected web is responsible for all human thinking, feeling, and behavior. Some neurons have hundreds or even thousands of dendrites, and these dendrites may themselves be branched to allow the cell to receive information from thousands of other cells. The axons are also specialized, and some, such as those that send messages from the spinal cord to the muscle in the hands or feet, may be very long, even up to several feet in length to improve the speed of their communication and to keep their electrical changes from sorting out with other neurons.
accents are often surrounded by a myelin shelf. The myelin shelf is a layer of fatty tissue surrounding the accent of a neuron that both acts as an insulator and allows faster transmission of the electrical signal. Accents branch out to toward their ends and at the tip of each branch is a terminal button. So, neurons communicate using electricity and chemicals. How? Well, the nervous system operates using an electrochemical process. An electrical charge moves through the neuron itself and chemicals are used to transmit information between neurons. Within the neurons, when a signal is received by the dendrite, it is transmitted to a soma in the form of an electrical signal. And if the signal is strong enough, it may then be passed onto the axon and then to the terminal button. If the signal reaches the terminal buttons, they are signalized to emit the chemicals known as neurotransmitters, which communicate with other neurons across the spaces between the cells, known as synapses. The electrical signal moves through the neurons as a result of changes in the electrical charge of the axon. Normally, the axon remains in the resting potential, a stage in which the interior of the neuron contains a greater number of negatively charged iron than does the area outside the cell. When the segment of the axon that is closest to the cell body is stimulated by an electrical signal from the dendrites, and if this electrical signal is strong enough, that it passes certain level threshold, the cell membrane in its first segment opens its gates, allowing positively charged sodium ions that were previously kept out to enter. This change in electrical charge that occurs in a neuron when a nerve impulse is transmitted is known as the action potential. Once the action potential occurs, the number of positive ions exceeds the number of negative ions in this segment and the segment temporarily become positively charged. As you can see, the axon is segmented by a series of breaks between the sausage-like segments of the median cell. Each of these gaps is the node of Renvier. The electrical charge moves down the axon from segment to segment in a set of small jumps, moving from node to node. When the axon potential occurs in the first segment of the axon, it quickly creates a similar charge in the next segment, which then stimulates the next segment, and so forth as the positive electrical impulse continues all the way down to the end of the axon. As each new segment becomes positive, the membrane in the prior segment closes up again, and the segment returns to a negatively resting potential. In this way, the action potential is transmitted along the axon toward the terminator buttons. The entire response along the length of the axon is very fast. It can happen up to 1000 times per second. The mission cell wraps through the axon but also leaves a small gaps called the nodes of Renvier. The action potential jumps from node to node as it travels down from the axon. An important aspect of the action potential is that it operates in an all-or-nothing manner. What this means is that the neuron neither fires completely, such that the action potential moves all the way down the axon, or it does not fire at all. Thus, 
Neurons can provide more energy to the neurons down the line by flying faster, but not firing more strongly. Furthermore, the neuron is prevented from repeated firing by the presence of a refractory period, which is the brief time after the firing of the axon, in which the axon cannot fire again because the neuron has not yet returned to its resting potential.